0: It's difficult to get the news from poems, yet men die miserably every day for lack of what is found there. William Carlos Williams He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain One is divorced, the, the other's husband is dead That's why they so a messed up in the head It's a silver linings play cat Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast As far as I know, it is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook the movie And the Silver Linings Playbook the book I'm your host, Jamie Ward I had to apologize last week because we had actually recorded a fantastic episode in my car I was uh, turned the the recording off at like 54 minutes We had talked about so many great Silver Linings Playbook things And then... Um, a pretty amazing thing happened where I was at a crawfish boil where Katie was performing and during the band break there was a priest who was calling an auction for the fundraiser and it was the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life and so I wanted to make sure to record my outro over that so you all could enjoy some of that amazingness and when I did that the recording was lost that we <laughs> and I had just spent the previous hour recording. Well lucky me I'm actually recording this on a Tuesday. We are not going to release this until Wednesday night because we are back on our regular schedule If there is one thing that that makes a podcast that is important to a podcast that is consistency consistency over quality that is my mantra, which is probably why we have consistently not picked up any listeners, consistently not put out any better content, and consistently been slightly inconsistent in our release schedule. We always aim for having a Thursday podcast releasing basically Wednesday night at midnight. I don't know how that a.m., p.m., 12 o'clock, midnight thing goes, but that's what we have always aimed for. And we have been missing that a lot and I actually need to make a major announcement this week that we may be looking to shorten the podcast for I don't know. we're not gonna we're not gonna end yet. I'm not ready to give up on this project. I love it. In fact, I love it more now than maybe I have ever loved it. But I definitely am going to have a need to free up some more time. There's some very exciting news. There is some things happening. In the world that are going to affect my recording schedule, if not my free time schedule, and it's pretty amazing. I am working at bringing the writing project that I had had all lined up before the pandemic with two my best friends. It's gonna see a new life. I'm gonna produce it. So I'm working on that and it's gonna take a huge amount of time and effort on my end. Uh, because I had been focused on writing a second book. That's that's we're, what we're doing this week is sort of giving a little update that we had started last week's podcast episode with. And I'm going to try to cover some of the points that I had talked about last week because they were so good. I was really happy. It was a really SLP heavy content-heavy episode, and to lose it was a real blow to my heart, but it's okay because you know, I excelsiored on through it and stuff. But the the big thing was last week I was sort of giving an update. I have the Atlanta Writers Conference coming up in its next next weekend. And I am hopefully going to pitch. I have, I have several meetings with some agents there where I'm going to be pitching my memoir. I'm going to be repitching my vampire novel. Basically if I write a new book every... <laughs> Every six months, eventually, one of these conferences, uh, I'll eventually give up. So if I can just keep on writing another book every six months, eventually I'll get the whole desire to write a book out of my system. I'm just kidding. That's not my goal. Either th- Neither one of those is my goal, neither to write a book every six months or to ever want to quit writing. The other development I was talking about is the des- decision to just produce the pilot that Conrad and Nick and I were working on, and we had sold it to a production company. And here's the thing. It's not that I'm trying to take them out of the loop. I've moved to another state. They don't seem to be uh, super interested in, in using their time on that right now. And so I've still feel, I still feel like very close friends. I hope, I hope they're doing wonderful. Uh, they're just working on different projects, and so I am going to do my, my best at filling the role of producing. I've never done anything like this before. I've, no, let me say, I've done things like this before, but never this. I've always been a writer or the talent. Not talent for films because I'm not an actor, but I've been a comedian. I've been a participant in sketches, so I'm going to work on this, and hopefully this project will see the light of day. It doesn't have to be great. That's not really my focus right now. My focus is on getting it done. And that way, we can either move on and feel like we gave it a shot, or maybe something will happen because of it. Also, um, like I said, I have written uh, most of a memoir. When I say most of a memoir, I've written the hard part, which is the beginning the first 19 pages. I am about 280 short of where I would like to be. But having one fifteenth of it done feels done in my heart. So I am going to be pitching it as a complete book, hopefully to agents, in a week and a half. Which means that I am hopefully going to finish writing a whole book in a week and a half. One of the reasons why these might be getting a little shorter for a while. I wanted to talk about something that happened last week. It was a conversation I had. I've been here in Louisiana. I've been getting into the Lafayette, Louisiana comedy scene. I've been going to their weekly open mic, which has been a lot of fun. And I've been making a real attempt at trying to start to meet some of the comics and try to get to know them, get to get into the scene, become a part of it socially. And last week was a real... Real step forward because it was the first time I sort of had some extended conversations with some of the. It was the first time that I ever hung out with a couple comics and we were the last people to leave. So it's a very familiar feeling if you're listening to this and you've been a comedian or you've gone to open mics as a comedian, hung out with comics, you know that is what we do. We talk comedy, we talk shop until. The venue closes, and that's what I was doing. And we were talking about how awards. Well, we got into it. We started talking about um, how you know, as as comic small talk with one another, sort of like, hey, who's who's some of your comedy influences, and you know, the comment. The, the conversation went to as it does like 50% of the time I would estimate with plenty of people like oh um, I don't really listen to a lot of comedy someone told me and I agreed I've heard I've heard that perspective before. I've really felt that perspective a lot for myself I, I since I started doing comedy, I stopped listening to a lot of comedy not nearly as much comedy do I? Do I listen to? And I don't know why part of it. I think it's part of I'm just busy doing the comedy. It's not for any specific reason. It's just that I, I am focused on becoming a member of that comedy family. That comedy scene. It's not that I don't love comedy. I got into comedy because I love comedy. And I just wanted to sort of justify my existence of getting to be around comedians and if that if if I want to say that that was the extent of my goal I have f- succeeded because I I can do that I do do that I'm around comics and I love it but we were talking about you know how I actually have not listened to a lot of comedy over the last couple years when I've been focused mostly on doing my own but my intent is not really oh I'm trying to avoid hearing them so I sound like them Like I said, I'm just really focused on my own writing. That is the part that I enjoy right now. I still do listen to albums when I am inspired or I have free time or I can't think of anything. We were talking about how Patrice O'Neill is is one of the guys that we miss a lot, sort of wish that he he was around so we could hear his comedic take on the world and his perspective on things right now. And then I sort of jokingly... um, and I say jokingly only because it wasn't something I was proud of. It was just a very matter-of-fact thing. I said, I'll, I listened to Louis C.K.'s latest album because I was just very curious about what he had won a Grammy for. I was very surprised that they gave a Grammy to him. I was very surprised about that. And they, then the person I was talking to sort of said he was surprised... That the Grammys put comedy, sort of the, the Grammys is the award ceremony that covers stand-up comedy to both of us. It feels like a really different thing. It is, and it is kind of weird. It's so weird that it's just sort of lumped together because we feel like the, the Grammys is the awards for your ears. And then the Academy Awards, Movie Awards is the the awards... your eyes not yours but like people that make things for those like the the listening awards and the watchy awards i don't know if there's a a tasty awards for food accomplishments i don't know it's um there's the uh avn awards which i guess would be like the feely awards also the watchy awards but also all these award ceremonies are really just ridiculous like You can't... We've had numerous conversations about this. You can't ever have a non-biased award ceremony that's going to please people. I don't don't think it's a good thing for art. It might be a good thing for the businesses that are um, involved in helping produce the art. And I don't want to say create art. I want to say produce, like support from a production standpoint. Now, there's nothing wrong with... Entertainment that is made just to entertain mass audiences. You don't have to, like, have everything be some progressive, amazing, like, oh, this means something. I'm, I'm trying to say something, man. No, you, like, I really, I feel very strongly. You don't have to create in that way. But to have award ceremonies that sort of say, like, this is the best example, it's, it's not, it's just not a pro- progressive thing to do for a field. And one of the things I had to concede, I know I have mentioned this before, I mentioned it in the conversation, and it is the thing I will mention for my whole life. Hill I'll die on, sword I'll fall on. I am a fan of the movie *Silver Linings Playbook*, y'all probably know that 2011 movie that was that, that won an Academy Award for uh, Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence. lest won Best Leading Actress in a Feature in the 2012 Academy Awards. I firmly believe that award should have gone to Quvenzhané Wallace. For Beasts of the Southern Wild. I probably brought it up a couple weeks ago. When we were talking about Oscar scandals. I probably brought it up. When I talked about the Academy Awards. For Silver Linings Playbook. I will continue to bring it up. For as long as this podcast. Is going. Not, not every single time. But if you've seen that performance. You'll understand it's one of the best performances. I've ever seen of a movie. That was created in my lifetime. From since I've been watching movies. If you have a better one, let me know too. It doesn't have to be from the 2012 Academy Awards. It can be from anything. I would like to know what your, what is the best performance you have ever seen in a movie that was created in your lifetime that you're aware of. Something that you basically experienced as an active participant, not a going back and watching something from the history of cinema, but what was the, what was the first performance that just floored you as the most amazing acting performance you've ever seen in your life. So that one was mine. Then we came across something that I found. This is not necessarily an Oscar scandal, but I feel like it is. It feels dirty. Well, okay, let me talk about something else first. One of the, the suggestions that I had, and nobody is asking for my suggestion, but I was saying it would... In some ways, think about this, it would feel less dirty to me if there was an award ceremony that actually went off the sort of empirical stats for movies. Like, I think it's, it's a gross idea to try to have an award ceremony where you are ranking, qual- qualitatively ranking qual- qualitative things. But if you wanted to just take the empirical stats of a movie, like say we're awarding this movie blockbuster for making the most money back. This, this movie had the biggest box office draw. This one sold the most tickets. This one had the widest release. That's less gross to me than how the Academy Awards is run right now. And there would be some benefit. There, there would be as much benefit from that, I think, as there would from how it's done now. Because plenty of people, when they go to see a movie, a lot of us look to the awards just because I want to know time is so precious. If I'm going to spend 90 minutes to two and a half hours watching something, I want it to have the best shot of being worth my time as it is. And if something has sold a lot of tickets and had a lot of views, There is a certain level that that does mean it was, and I hate to say good, but in a a way it was good. And in a way that I need information to how am I going to invest my time, I think that is good enough for some things. Like I've said, I enjoy lots of movies that are not quote-unquote cinema. I can totally enjoy something that was just made to entertain without saying something that's not going to leave its mark on society as an important film when I was in film school I constantly said my favorite movie to everybody else was Top Gun and part of me was being facetious but also that was what I needed because that was the movie that made me happy for what was going on in my life at that time and my life right so If, you know, I'm looking for a movie and I'm like, hey, I want to see something to entertain myself for two hours. Oh, this one was seen more times by more people last year than any other movie. There is a good chance. It's one of those sort of like uh, correlation is not causation, if that's the expression, you know. But like there, it does mean something when a film is seen by lots of people there's different tastes in it but also look at like not enough people went to see silver linings playbook i mean that's just for my opinion i think it should have been the highest grossing film of all time when i personally can't even say that i contributed to the grossing of the film because i it took me a really long time to actually watch that i say that actually Maybe I did contribute to the grossing of it more than normal because I did rent it several times before I actually watched it. And then bought it in multiple ways. I have physical copies and a digital copy. Even though it's streaming on most platforms. Um, it's usually available to see. Anyway, I've got distracted from sort of like the big scandally thing that I wanted to mention. Which was an Academy Awards. Mmm. I don't even know how to describe it. It feels so wrong. What I'm about to point out is not necessarily a scandal in the traditional sense. It's just something that it feels like in the spirit of, of these awards. Like this is this is the proof that they're they're getting it wrong. Okay? So they um like you know it's all political right there is multiple accounts of awards going to actors that are deserving right of of roles that they accomplished but maybe they didn't actually win for the movie that they should have won for. We've talked about that in the past. This is a young man who won an award, and I think he's a fantastic actor. Well, okay, let me get into it. Uh, in, in 2019, Rami Malek won the Academy Award for Best Actor for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury in the biopic Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, the scandal is not that he um, isn't deserving of an Academy Award. I think he is a phenomenal actor. If you want a great example of him in a supporting role, check out a film I just saw for the first time. It was a 2011 I believe, 11 film. And and I think it was even based on a short movie that was done several years before that. It was called Short Term 12. It is one of the first times I ever saw Brie Larson in a role that was not the... Uh, Miss Marvel role, and I'd, I'd heard she was a fantastic actress, and I didn't. I don't want to take away from her role in Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel. I think I'm, I'm mistaking Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Captain Marvel, anyway, the superhero, the Marvel movie, right? So in the Marvel movie, um, she does fine. I, I enjoyed that Marvel movie. It was a lot of fun for me. Uh, one of my Favorite, maybe, but um, anyway, so this is my first time to like to get to see her at her best. Short term 12. It is a universally loved film according to IMDb, Google, Rotten Tomatoes, all those things. I'd never heard of it before. Uh, I don't want to get into that though, but Rami Malik plays a tiny role in that film, and it is so different from a lot of the things you've probably ever seen him in. Just confirming he is a great actor and has a lot of range as well. That's not what I'm upset about. Let's go back to the conversation I was having about the Grammys. Rami Malek won an Academy Award for portraying Freddie Mercury from Queen. Freddie Mercury himself never having won a Grammy Award. There's something that feels weirdly wrong about awarding an acting award to somebody portraying somebody who was nominated four times uh, for the biggest award in music, but didn't win it. Now I, I realize <laughs> these are different things. There's there's definitely ways that I think I see this that I have no problem with it. Mostly because, like I said, it's all arbitrary and none of it matters. But it just it feels wrong on so many different levels and I don't I don't like that that happened even though nobody asked me right so there's there's a big problem I have twofold and that I feel like they should go back and retroactively give queen any of the grammys that they were nominated for but mostly Mostly. How did Queen never win a Grammy Award? They were nominated four times. Queen is arguably one of, and I'm, I want to say this because I know I've been talking about how unfair it is to sort of empirically rank art. They've got to be one of the best bands of all time, at least from the era, at least from their genre Right, I'm, And I'm only saying this, I don't think Freddie Mercury himself would have had a problem with this little problem that I see, because I don't think he was doing music for the awards. I think he was doing the music for humanity and doing music for himself, and according to the movie, doing it to prove to his dad he could. But he was about the music and the showmanship, and oh my goodness, was he amazing. Never got to see him live. But that was just sort of because I was a little too young to overlap the era when they were having concerts and he was alive. But think about Queen's impact on entertainment. They have multiple songs that are all one-hit wonder-level songs. And the reason I'm saying one-hit wonder-level is because sometimes, sometimes there's really good bands or musicians that put out like a whole bunch of great songs, but I I feel like the intense love and sort of cultural impact of one hit wonder songs can often be higher than a hit from a catalog from somebody who is just an overall career good musician. Let's look at like Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. That's the kind of thing where that one song is bigger, in my opinion, and let me know if I'm wrong, and this is actually a bad example, I, I was going to say Thunderstruck by ACDC, but actually I feel like they have a couple songs. Thunderstruck has the same same thing going on that some of the Queen songs do. It, it has a significance beyond pure listening to music because it's used so much as a soundtrack song, as a walk-up song for, for different uh, types of entertainers and bands. I always... I always use the term Party Anthem and I'm not sure if that's really a, the proper term for a song but I use the term Party Anthem sort of for like a song that if you were to do it at karaoke gets everybody on their feet, gets everybody singing along people get excited about that song but like in a, in a I want to participate kind of way songs like Sweet Caroline Songs like Don't Stop Believing by Journey, right? These are songs that I sort of consider karaoke anthems. And I'm sort of going off of the concept of sports anthem. I think not only does Queen have, definitely have one of those, but it's also probably one of the most iconic of all. Go back to the series of music compilations that was out during the late 90s called Jock Jams, which was sort of, all these sports anthems, collaborate, um, collected and curated in a cl- curated in a collection of sort of like sports theme songs, hard rock songs that would play at sporting events, sort of high energy rock songs, and you'd have, you'd be hard pressed to tell me a one that is more iconic. If not, it's in the top. It's in the top range of those, partially because people can do the, the uh, stomp, stomp, clap, and you already know what is going on. Um, the audience can actually participate in it without singing, and, and you know the song is going on. It's just this incredibly impactful, social, societal icon of a piece of art. Yep, I got busy, so we're calling it. uh, But we're getting this out by Thursday, so we'll uh, keep doing this every week until I decide not to do it anymore. Until next time, we'll see you down the road and excelsior. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's are so messed up in the head. It's a silver lining's play cast.